Hi everyone, it's Dr. Denise, and this is the Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series of the Dr. Denise Show. And I just need to pause with a smile and excitement. I have Jen Drummond here today. She's the first woman to climb the second highest summits on each of the seven continents, mother of seven, entrepreneur, and Guinness world record holder. Jen, welcome. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy. So, okay. So there's so much to unpack about who you are. I want you to just join me on the concept of embracing your neuro style and beyond, because I feel like you're living it and being it. And that's defined as we all process and perceive information in our own unique way. And it's biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and sixth sense intuition. So I thought you and I can almost take a journey through what you've done to climb mountains and what you've done with your mindset, your sensory perception, and just kind of respond to maybe what embracing your neurostyle means to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can go through all of that. I definitely feel connected to myself more so in nature, outdoors, exploring, breathing cold air. Um, and it just has a way of grounding me to Mother Earth, which then allows my brain to settle and me to accomplish more, to be honest. Well, it sounds like the concept, like you've taken the concept of moving meditations to a whole new a whole new Guinness <laughs> world new record, height. right? A whole new, new height, new not height. even a whole new level, a whole new height. Well, yes. I was just even thinking at the title and beyond. I'm like, okay, Jen's gone and beyond of her own like human limits. And I was actually really tuning in before this interview and looking at some of the things that inspired you. And I'm wondering if we could travel back to your 2018 accident. Tell us what happened, what energetically you processed and how that inspired you. Okay. Because of the nature of this show, I can go into a little bit more detail. Um, I was driving to a city away from Park City to get my driver's license renewed. And on the way there at mile marker 11, the song came on my playlist. It was a song that I listened to in meditation quite often. And I just remember thinking, someday when I pass away, I wonder who's going to know that I want this to play at my funeral and how do I make sure that happens? And then I go do my task in this other town and I start heading home. I'm on the highway and literally the same location, opposite side of the highway, I encounter a semi-truck, which smashes me head on. Do, 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 call drop. Jen. Yes. Right when you were saying on the mile marker on the way back, and then right when that happened, we lost internet. So can let's just stay in flow. Keep sharing. Yes. So I'm on my way back, mile marker 11, and I crash into a semi-truck. My car starts flipping end over end three times and then spins to the side and slides in the median. And I am 
probably spiritually trying to get back into my body, if I had to be honest with you. I don't know. I can feel it. My sensory perception, right when you started saying it, it's like my own awareness traveled back in time. And I put my hands together like in prayer. And I felt like I was on my own version of like a carnival that's not really a carnival where you're on a ride you just want to get off of. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah, and it was fascinating because the car was moving so fast, but the instant the car hit the semi, I knew I wasn't going to die. It, it was a knowing, and I knew that the best way to have no injuries and survive, survive would to be surrender and to flow with the car. So I held onto the steering wheel so that I would keep track of my hands, and I pressed my head against the chair. And then I just remember saying, okay, I have enough momentum. I'm going to roll again. I have enough momentum. I'm going to keep rolling. And then when I finally came to a stop, I kept thinking, okay, I need to be prepared to be hit by another car because Hollywood had always trained us that another car comes, right? You think the accident's done and it's not. And then the windshield started to be curled back and sound started to return. And a guy was saying, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I just remember thinking, I don't even know if I'm okay. Like, I don't even, I I don't know. And I didn't want to look because I didn't want to know because I was afraid of what I was going to see. So I closed my eyes and wiggled my fingers and toes. And I remember thinking, I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm okay. I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm okay. And then I said it out loud and he said, okay, well, you need to stay in this car until the ambulance comes because I don't know if there's something masking an injury or anything else like that. And we're just going to have a conversation. And that that was the accident. Wow. Yeah. The crazy and, thing and were about you the accident. conscious the whole time? Did you lose any consciousness or were you? No consciousness. I was with it the entire time. I just remember thinking this 22nd accident is a 20-hour journey inside my head. Wow. And what was the song that you were thinking on the mile marker? Um, Ave Maria. Yeah. It. Uh, wow. Yes. Very much a wow. This 22nd rotation of vehicle was a 20 hour journey of surrender and allowing and trusting that the messages that turned me on in life were the messages that I was supposed to live out wow. in my physical life. Cause to me, this, this time of near death inspired. So the ambulance finally came mm-hmm. and they took me to the hospital just to make sure everything was okay. They didn't want to send me home with the kids and have something happen at home and nobody be able to take care of anything. So I went to the hospital, checked out physically fine, didn't even need a stitch. And then I went home to the family and everything was awe. Like every sound, every disaster, every good, every bad. There was no longer good and bad. There was just this being of okay, there's a lot of different ways to interpret these situations. There's a lot of different opinions and how awesome it is it that we each have our own and watching my kids try to convince each other that theirs was right and the others was wrong was 
something I didn't need to correct anymore. It was something that I just needed to hold space for. And that was pretty magic. Wow. So I have a question for you. So I'm really, now that I just heard all that and I'm sitting with it, with your own level, I'm listening to your words about being, holding space, and everyone wants to hear about your journeys, but the physical journey, but the, the inner knowingness, did you go on a path of any spiritual pursuits or inner knowings or questioning or meeting with people to sort of say, what did my guides help me? Or do you have your own belief system on that? Or where are you at in the universe of understanding your reason why you think you're still here? Yeah, I would say that I, my biggest thing, so the accident happened on December 18 of 2018. And then a few weeks after the accident, I had a friend that went running. She hit her head on a rock, died instantly. And so it just sent me into this deep, deep inner seeking, searching, understanding, who am I? Why am I? What's the purpose? And I would say the better of 2019 was dedicated to surrendering to what that is and shutting out the noise of my external environment and just connecting back to myself and trusting that whatever brought smiles and joy and laughter was the path forward. I love that. Yeah. Because our feeling state and our emotional state is an energy currency for ascension. And I feel like getting this backstory of your being awestruck that you're still like, why am I still here? And then that humility, um, I saw that video where you, your son sort of inspired you. Hey mom, you should do climb Mount Everest. You know, our kids, I mean, humble us. It sounds like you went deeper within to realize like the magic of all the moments. And then was there an exact moment when you decided, was it the one you showed with your son where you decided to start climbing, like taking this adventure out into the greater world? Yeah. Um, I feel, so when we, we moved to park city in 2015 and I lived in Michigan before. So flat, no mountains come to park city. I'm just mesmerized by the landscape and the environment and all the things involved. And so I was invited to go climb in the Tetons shortly after moving here. And it was probably one of the most magical experiences I had. And then I was busy with life and excuses and stories and narratives and everything else that I subscribed to. And so when this accident happened, I like when I was starting to do the, the work, I realized I'm like, you know what? My 40th birthday is coming up in 2020. I'm going to climb a mountain to launch that decade and solidify what it's going to mean for me. So I was training for a mountain called Ama de Blom, which is known as the mother's necklace. And it felt right on so many levels. And then my son challenged me saying that wasn't a real mountain. He wanted me to climb Mount Everest. And I was like, okay. And to me, Everest was never, it wasn't, it was never calling me. But then I thought, okay, 
that's kind of out of nowhere. It caught my attention. I said, do your homework. We'll look at Everest. And then the more I looked at Everest, I'm like, okay, this is the mother mountain. And life can have all kinds of things happen on our surface, but in our heart of hearts, like we, we are the mountain. We, we are this strong, solidified light being that has this energy and story to bring to the world. And so I thought, well, maybe I should climb Everest because Everest is the queen mountain. I am the queen of my life. Storms might be kids fighting or setbacks or obstacles that happen in the physical, but that doesn't change who I am uh, internally, right? That just changes the landscape surfacely for a little bit. And so that really drew me into wanting to climb Everest and that started that pursuit. And then when you start walking down your path, other doors open and different opportunities present themselves. And the opportunity and the awareness of the seven second summit quest, so second highest point in each continent, had not been done by a female before. And that became very attractive to me as a pursuit worthy of my time, of my energy, and of my story. I love the super synchronicity of seven children, seven continents, seven mountains, seven like mountains. jackpot. <laughs> Well, and I have to tell you that the, the my D, my logo with the DNA for the Dr. Nice brand is actually seven DNA strands. And it's in an ethereal way that simple that symbolizes the linear being influenced by the nonlinear and our energy and our inspiration. And as I hear you speak, and I just wrote down, we are the mountain. I feel like I'd like to go a deeper dive of your awareness of the collective consciousness and how much humans, the 8 billion, 100,000 universes of hum, human souls real have to realize how much we influence the mountain and how sacred earth is and how sacred the mountains are. Cause when you just said we are the mountain, I felt like you understood the importance of nature at a level that's hard to put into words after everything you've done. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been in some of the most extreme environments that this planet has to offer where you come home alive. And in being in those environments and just getting to experience nature and explore nature and become comfortable with the uncomfortable and see how fast the storm can come or go or shift or change. It's so empowering. Like there's so many lessons in the everyday, just being immersed in it. Can you take us, first of all, I feel like in honoring the sevens, I want to make sure we honor the seven names of your children and also the seven mountains. And then after that, maybe go through some aha nature meets mindset examples where you're like, oh my gosh, like a time on a hike or anything you want to talk about. I just feel like I want to honor this reverence. I mean, this is like, you know, we get these titles of the Guinness book, but then it's like, what was the beingness? What was the process? Right. Yeah. The title really means nothing, right? It's just a way for us to be able to communicate about something and have language around it. Yes. But the pursuit and the journey is where, whether you reach the summit or not, finding joy in the journey is the true summit. 
in all of our lives because we all have different summits of different mountains that we feel called to climb and you climb them. (laughs) They are not given, you do not roll downhill. So the first mountain that I took on was Ojos del Salado. It's located in the Atacama Desert in Chile. So it's the second highest point in South America. I learned a lesson on this mountain that if you go to climb a mountain and they have containers, as in semi-containers, railroad containers on the side of the mountain, Hmm. that means there's a lot, so much wind that you are not able to set up a tent without it ripping. So people like to climb this volcano in the second highest point. So the government of Chile put up containers so people have a safe place to sleep. And that environment just reminded me like how powerful wind is, how much it shifts things, how much it changes things, how much it's relentless. Like it did not stop because of the texture of the environment and how everything worked. The wind started at 10 a.m. and it ended at 10 p.m. every day. And I'm talking like, there was just never a moment where it relaxed. And it was a form of torture at some level if you let it be. And so to be able to tolerate that environment and still succeed in my pursuit, I had to pretend the wind was moving everything that wasn't serving me out of my life. Wow. That's so powerful. That's literally metaphorically going into the suffering or into the energy. And it's very much the same as when you grabbed on the steering wheel right? and you decided to be in flow state. So you created a mindset or a moving meditation with the wind on how you can be in flow and then energetically move into almost like peace or I'm going to get through this versus any fear state. Yeah. A versus against us, right? Yes. Like this is for me, not against yes. me. This yes. is, and so you just, I had to write a narrative because my default yes. narrative was a negative. Most and of I realized are human beings, let's work on that. Yes. <laughs> and so then when I noticed that I'm like, okay, well I can be miserable the entire time I do this climb, or I can flip the narrative to support me the entire time I do this climb, because the question isn't whether I'm going to do this climb or not. That's already been decided. What's up for decision is how much I get to enjoy the journey. And that was the lesson of Ojo del Salado. Wonderful. So then my next lesson was um, I went to Africa. I climbed the mountain called Mount Kenya. It's a 20-pitch rock climb. I'm afraid of heights. So this mountain was probably one of my more challenging ones from a mental mindset because I had to just keep resetting and saying, I'm safe. I'm safe. I don't get to choose when I leave this planet, but I get to choose how I show up. So I'm going to show up and just tell myself I'm safe. I'm roped up. I don't have to worry about anything. If I fall, the rope will catch me. Like everything will be fine. Um, So Mount Kenya was just understanding that most of life when you're growing, you're going to have fear in the front seat with you. You just have to make sure it doesn't have the driver's seat. Love it. And so that was something that, that was my mantra. I'm like, okay, you're sitting next to me. You're sitting next to me. You're sitting next to me. Um, so that was Mount Kenya. 
After Mount Kenya, I went to Everest and then I went to try K2 for the first time. And K2 was one of those things that I did not summit the first time. And every single thing that could have gone wrong along the way did. And I kept bulldozing forward. Okay, well, we'll be fine. Okay, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. And then finally, um, an avalanche took out one of my teammates that I had become friends with. And I realized, okay, the lesson of this is people over peaks. I'm going to come down. We're going to, you know, have a burial ceremony for this human that passed away in this pursuit. I'm going to go home. Wait, what was their first name? Um, Rick. Rick. I just want to honor the the energy vibration of Rick. Yeah, he was magic. He was 67 and climbing this crazy mountain and he was single and he had set a ton of different records in the mountaineering community. So it was really devastating, but then it was also beautiful because what else would a death look like? He's climbing the most, one of the most dangerous mountains in the world and passed away in a pursuit of his love. Jen, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. If we were sitting next to each other, which at some point in this lifetime we will, you would have seen my sensory perception is I'm here. And right before you mentioned that someone passed away, I asked myself, why is my whole body getting body chills? And they felt very like energized. And by the way, I get different inner knowings and a lot of us get different goosebumps, but I usually get from validation of other people of the sensory perception, different chill patterns for different souls. So before you told me that someone passed away, I got this really like light, beautiful, like full of life energy feeling. And then right when you said someone passed away, I asked you to please say his name. And I just want to say that when you just described that, like, what a better way, like the way you're, the way you framed it felt so reverent and so happy and honoring Rick. And I just want to tell you, I felt it. And if you were next to me in studio, you would have seen my arms. Oh, I don't like really like sweet, like amazing, like strong soul. And it's just so important. I think when we're telling stories that we do these pauses, uh, cause energy, I believe and everyone's got their own perception that energy never dies. So just, we just feel it and experience it in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So you so, honor the, the loss of Rick and I'm just sending love to that. And I'm sorry that Rick passed away, but it sounds like he was doing what he loves. Yeah. I mean, if all of us could pass away doing something that we loved and like, yeah, I mean, what an honor. So Rick was this lesson of in Mount Kenya or Mount K2 this first time was definitely a lesson in people all have pursuits, but the people involved in our story are more important than what these pursuits are because things like mountains, things like building businesses, things like that, they're always there. We can always come back to them, but the people are not. And so we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves and take care of one another. Yes. Um, My climb after that was Dick Tao in Russia. Um, I curated a whole bunch of special gear to climb this mountain. And I was excited to climb it. It's steep. It's jagged. It's known for avalanches. You have to walk along ridge lines, and it's not summited very often because it's in an area that gets a lot of moisture, so it doesn't make it super safe. And all these things that you kind of hear about it, it's a culture that really speaks zero English. Wow. I land, and my bags don't come on the carousel. (gasps) 
And the guide there that's meeting me is like, well, it looks like they lost your luggage. So I go to the luggage department. Yes, it's still in France. We don't have it. It's going to be a couple of days till it gets here. My guide says, well, we can either climb with rental gear or you can fly home, but this is the weather window we need to go. Wow. I just remember thinking, no, no, like this is a technical hard climb. There's a reason why I had to get special gear for it. I'm going to go to a rental store. What are you talking about? No, it's like losing your pacifier, your favorite teddy, your favorite food, your favorite, like to get through this, you like researched it. You knew what you needed. Yeah. I have like gummy bears that I bring from the kids. I have, you know, like all the little things and all of that's missing, which is devastating. But I said, okay, I'm going to just go as far as I can and collect beta and information so that when I come back, I ha- I'm better prepared for my next pursuit. And believe it or not, we got to summit in gear that didn't fit. And I don't have to go back and think, goodness, it worked out that way because Russia ended up shutting down six months later to U.S. travel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was a lesson in, hey, we have this idea of what perfection looks like or what this should be. And so often what is actually real, there's a huge gap. That doesn't mean you stop. It just means you make the most of what you can and proceed forward. And what happens, happens. And luckily for me, it worked out. Well, I want to just pause because I like to, what I'm hearing so much, you know, I wear many hats as do you and many of us do. And my MD kind of psychiatry is like the cognitive reframing, the power of the mind, my spiritual part of me is tuning into the energy. And then the words, what you're talking about right now is adaptive versus restrictive perfectionism. You know, we have this idea of what's the perfect gear, the perfect time, the perfect this, but there's the restrictive, you know, had you maybe made a different decision, maybe it wouldn't have happened. So you figured out how to get it done, how to achieve it, and also how to enjoy it, but it wasn't easy at first. So you're very adaptive and resilient. Yeah, I'm just, I was very curious to see what would happen. And that curiosity carried us forward to the summit and done. So then my next climb, it's kind of like my most mysterious one, was Mount Tyree in Antarctica. Wow. Yes. So what an honor to be able to see such a desolate place and be, this is still part of our world. Like, this is fascinating. There's no color. There's no sound. There's no birds. There's no trees. There's no life. There's like rock and different forms of ice and snow. It was just such a fascinating environment to experience. We got to Mount Tyree. I'm the first American female, second female ever to summit this mountain. It's only been summited by about 20 or so people at the time that we went to do it. So there's not a lot of information. Um, And it was just one of those things where I woke up on the side of the mountain one day and I remember thinking, I am so lucky. I was born when I was born. Because if I had been born when my mom was born or when my grandma was born, like this wouldn't even be in the realm of possibility. Here I am on this mountain carrying our flag saying, yes. Look how far we've come, society. Look where we can explore. Look at what we can experience. Look at us carrying this flag and marking a point where civilization has been. 
so that the next generation can carry that flag forward into a further frontier. Wow. Yeah. And it just reminded me, we're all so significant yet insignificant in the global story of humans. No, it's really humbling. Yeah. I just got this humbled gratitude feeling. And when I was in India in 2018, I was really fortunate to represent the United States talking about nurturing children's mental health. And I really, it was very reverent feeling when you're in different cultures or different societies and different viewpoints on women, because even different parts of our world right now treat women very differently. Yeah, very much. And I just felt like because I had the MD and because I was at an event with the Tibetan Medical Society of the Dalai Lama, I was treated with lots of reverence, but I also saw different class systems, different um, not caring about humans, whether you're female, gender, this. So I think that appreciation that you were having in Antarctica is something that was, it was like deep within your DNA of awareness. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I got off of Tyree and then my next pursuit was Mount Logan. We did not have success this first time. Mother nature was throwing a fit and we had to exit the mountain before we got to the summit to stay safe and alive. And again, peaks are always there. I promised my children I'd come home in one piece. So the safest thing to do was turn around and come back. After that, I went back to K2 for my second time. And going on the topic that you just discussed, uh, there's not as much freedom in Pakistan as there is in the United States. Mm -hmm. An individual that had helped me the year before was interested in climbing the mountain. And I'm like, I'm coming back. You helped me out. I will help you pay for and have gear to climb this mountain. So when I climbed K2, it felt amazing to be at the top, right? Third American female to be on the top of K2. However, what brought tears to my eyes was the person I sponsored standing at the top, knowing that that now changed his trajectory for life. He would now be able to guide. He would have K2 under his belt, which is the most important mountain in his culture to climb and all the things that come with that. And it's so amazing to just realize that when we start having successes, the real success is having significance in other successes. And that was the lesson of K2, that if only I have success, I didn't win. But if I had success that caused others to have success, then there's significance there and that's what's measured. Well, I want to just tag off that because I talk about the universal truths of awareness, self-love and altruism. And I spoke about this in talks and I do. And the idea of, you know, I think Darwin would have really wanted us from what I now know to remember him about the importance in his second book about cooperation and altruism Mm-hmm. not just survival of the fittest. There's nothing wrong with awareness, self-love and being our best selves, but you're talking about lifting up another human being and watching their success. And then it's like creates this infinity ripple of gratitude to see that someone else is going to be able to cr- climb their own mountains of you know, greater fiscal success, greater respect. There's different levels of reverence and titles. So, I mean, how amazing. What's his name? Shaw. Shaw. Yay, Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Yep. 
So then my next climb was Mount Townsend in Australia, which I think I live higher than up in Park City than what that mountain's height is over there. So it was interesting though, because that's the mountain that I didn't bring a guide. That's a mountain that I said, oh, I'll be able to do this without a guide. I'll be able to figure out the path with the Garmin device and navigate there. And it was the hardest, easiest hike I've ever gone on in my life because (laughs) there was still snow um, and there wasn't supposed to be. And the snow underneath the top layer was rotted. And so when you would take a step, you would step into three feet of snow. And for the last mile up and the mile down, they call that (laughs) post-holing. So we were post-holing up this mountain and down this mountain. And I remember I had a a guy with filming with me there and he's like, are you sure you want to keep going? I'm like, we are going. <laughs> we are getting this done. I'm not coming all the way across the globe to hike this little guy again. Like we're getting it done. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was just funny because anytime we think that something's going to be easy and just like, oh, just a checkbox and blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like flipping off the universe. So it wants to remind you to respect all pursuits. Well, I'm listening and I'm imagining what you just said. Like if I were there stepping into three foot of snow and thinking about the trust and the sensory perception of what am I actually going to actually hit once I hit the three feet down mark? Like, right. Because normally when you're climbing, you can see. Right. Right. So you had no idea like, what your foot was going to land on. Correct. So you probably had to then pause and get stable and just keep trudging along at a much slower pace with oh, painfully slow. And then it's painful to lift your leg up that high that many times. Right. I was like doing a marching band hike up this mountain. And then I'm like, Oh my goodness, just throw me a bone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wow. so then that was number six, which brought me back to Mount Logan, which is North America home base, right? And I just summited that one on June 1st, 2023. And it was a complete test of patience hmm. because we got to a camp. Um, there's five camps on Mount Logan, and then you go for the summit. We got to camp three and we're stuck in our tent for a week where we couldn't move up or down the mountain because the weather was so extreme that we just had to stay put and wait it out. And that was just, oh, and then finally good weather came and it was like, okay, well, should we go this day? But really the best weather was coming a couple days later. And so we're like, okay, we're going to wait. We're going to go a little higher. And we got the best day I've ever had on the mountain ever. And so I'm so grateful that we waited because it was still hard in this crazy environment. There was only three of us on this team and one had to be airlifted off of the helicopter because he had frostbite. So then there was only two of us on the team. And like, it was just a test of the wills, the wills, the wills, the wills. And if I would have had an ounce of doubt show at any point on that mountain that I wasn't going to summit, I feel like it would have taken that doubt and like, blanketed it over me and made sure I didn't. So I had to just stay so steadfast in my resolve and then finally was rewarded when Mother Nature said, okay, I believe you. You're serious. You can summit. Oh. And that's the super seven of the mountains. Super seven of the children is Jack, Joe, Jake, John, Josh, Jana, Julia. (gasps) 
Oh my goodness. And how, yeah. what are the ages? 16 to 10. <gasps> yeah. OMG. It's a fun, crazy energy. OMG. I just need to say it one more time. OMG. Sending love to them, sending love to all the peaks. Now I have a question. In this whole pursuit of your honoring mother nature, how did, I can feel it and hear it in your words, but how did you integrate prayer? You, you just described the ways you were in flow state and trust and gratitude and patience through your words. Did you have specific rituals each day that you did for inner peace and your understanding of your higher power? And like, did the kids send you energy? What was the spiritual process for you and your family on all these journeys? Yeah. So I carry a photo of the super seven in my pocket all times. I have a couple of them in case I change jackets. I don't have to worry about forgetting to move the photo over. And anytime that it gets difficult, those are prayers or gratitude wishes to each child. So I'll maybe focus on Jack for 30 minutes and I'll have a conversation with him um, in my head. And then it's Joe. And then I go through all seven of them. And then if I'm done with the seven, then I'll mix it up. I'll go every other one or I'll go backwards through the list. And that's just how I connect to them. And I remind myself that they're watching and what I'm capable of, they believe they're capable of. So we need to keep going together. And every time you get to a summit, you take this huge breath in and in that moment, time, space, form all dissipate and you just become one with everything. So you can be 7,000 miles away from home, yet you're right there. And you wish you could hold on to that space forever, but you exhale and you start to separate again and you realize, okay, I want to do this again. I want that feeling again. Where do I get it? And you throw your soul out into the universe and say, what's the next experience where we get to be one? Jen. Yes. Your words are so powerful, so full of love and ones I understand. And you just exquisitely described the beingness, the gratitude, the love. And we have this time and I'd love to have you back on the show. But to me, we did such a, like you just described so much. How can everyone work with you, be inspired by you? Do you, are you doing like a lazy river rest of the summer after achieving the gift? <laughs> are you like, okay, I'll do a couple of interviews, but see you in the fall, everyone. Yeah. 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 So August 1st, I'm launching a challenge called, um, realign and recover. I might even have that wrong, actually. I don't know. It's on the website. And it's a 40-day intention challenge um, in the community where we have an intention for each day. And it just, it's restorative. It's reconnecting to yourself. It's getting you ready to come from center for the next season of life. Um, so I'm doing that. I'm The reason why I'm doing it in a challenge format is because that holds me accountable and that's what gets me excited. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing this for me, but I'm inviting others. So here we go. I have a book coming out in January. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Finishing up the details there. It'll be released on bookshelves January 16, 2024. And then I have some retreats coming up. So I have a restorative retreat coming up in September in Park City. And then I'm going to take some people on an Everest base camp trek in April of 2024 because that experience is just so humbling that I want to share it with as many people that are interested. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And how can everyone find you? Like, where are you on social media? I'm on all the social media channels. So I think the easiest way to find me is go to the website, jendrummond.com. And then you can click on the little icons to find your favorite social media channel and show up in most of them. Well, Jen, you and I, even in this moment of now, and by the way, we are recording on the summer solstice. I'm going to launch the show on Sunday. So I love that we are right at this cusp of new beginnings and just want to congratulate you on your mental resiliency, faith, gratitude, and the way you want to take this energy and inspire others to reach their own unique best self, to embrace their narrow style and beyond. So I just want to thank you for our time today and I'd love to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to be back on. I appreciate everybody listening in and looking forward to connecting. And also, you guys do some climbing with Jen, right? (laughs) Because you can climb from home or in person from what I've seen, correct? Correct. Yes, I do an Everest challenge that you do at home, which shows you um, we climb the vertical height of Mount Everest from the comfort of our home, and it's basically teaching you little hacks and tricks to get fitness throughout your day. Okay, Jen, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. And Jen will be back too, back for more. And by the way, Thank you so much for representing one humanity, divine femininity and strength. And and just, you're so humble about it too. So thank you, Jen. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm.